Um, the, the title that I have uh, for our sermon this morning is The New Normal. Um, that's a phrase that uh, I'm sure you, you've heard a lot about. Um, and certainly here in the UK, we think about you, what, what does the new normal look like? And there's another a lot of questions that we have to answer about that. You know, are pandemic something that we are going to have to live with? Are our face masks here to stay? For some of us, that's more beneficial than others. Um, will we get closer to two than two meters to people? Will we have to have plastic screens everywhere? And perhaps uh, the most important question, when can I get my hair cut? That is, that is one that is, is plaguing a lot of people. Uh, we're, we're hoping that the, the, the kids are back to school and that's, uh, that's great and everything else. But what will it look like later on in the year? What will it look like next year? What will it look like the year um, after that? I'm sure we all want to get back to normality. We want to get back to having um, people around to be able to go to a coffee shop. Um, I'm personally looking forward to having a barbecue and having people around for that. Um, we have had someone tell us to keep the 29th of March free uh, and we couldn't work out why. You know, Was it their birthday or what was going on? And they said, no, that's when I'm coming around to your house for a cup of tea and a cake, so you'll be ready. Um, that's not an invitation to all of you, but you're very welcome at some point. Um, it's, so there's, there's, lots of, there's lots of questions. We all want to go back to that. You know, we want to go to the shops. We want to meet people. But what do we have to look forward to? What will it look like? I want to propose that in Isaiah chapter 11, what, what Elizabeth has read so well for us there, uh, Isaiah chapter 11, and going into uh, chapter 12, chapter 12 is only six verses. Uh, in Isaiah 11 and chapter 12, we have what I would class as Isaiah's vision of the new normal. Now, you maybe take the reading, your, so keep, keep your Bibles open in Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 12. Um, you maybe have listened to that reading, and you've just heard me say that that's the new normal. And you think, Andrew, don't be stupid. What on earth is there in that passage that is in any way normal? You know, what, what, there, there's nothing there, you know, the, the, the goat lying down with the leopard. That's not normal. And, and you're, you're right to say that. Um, we, we, have, we have grown up, uh, all of us in this world, and we know how things work. And we say that's not normal. But the thing is, all of those things... Um, that happen in the, all the things that happen in the world, we know that this world is not how it was meant to be. It's not, it's not how it's meant to be. All the pain, all the suffering, illness, disease, grief, poverty, hunger, all those things that we hate, that's not how this world was meant to be. Um, this world is tainted by sin, and of course all those things are a result of sin, so what does the new normal look like? That's the question. What does the new normal look like? Well, it looks like a lot like this passage. And it also looks a lot, a lot like what we have at the start of the Bible and at the end of the Bible. Some people have said that what we have in, in Genesis is a perfect place. And what we have in Revelation is a perfect place. And everything in between in the Bible is God getting from A to B. Um, what we have is is that that new normal we have at the start of Genesis and see when even when Jesus came he showed us what that new normal looks like now some of you um, have maybe heard of the book Gentle and Lowly now some of you might love it some of you might not love it 
Uh, that's okay. But in that book, uh, he mentioned something by a German guy called Johann, and I can't for the life of me remember his second name. But he says this. He says that we think of Jesus and we think of all the miracles that Jesus did. All the interruptions were, uh, you know, they interrupted the natural way of things. You know, we call them miracles for a reason, don't we? Because they don't normally happen. And we think of that as being, you know, astounding. But this guy, Johan, says that they're not, they're not an interruption in the everyday life. It's actually Jesus showing us what this world should be like. It's Jesus restoring the natural order. When Jesus comes and heals someone's disease or makes someone walk in, what's he doing? He's restoring nature back. He's pointing back to the Garden of Eden, pointing forward uh, as well to when there won't be any disease, when there won't be any sickness. Those, those things that we have come to grow up with, the pain, sickness, disease, death, they're the interruption. They're the things that have interrupted us. And we, we take them for, you know, the, we, we take them for granted. Um, all of those things did not exist before sin entered into the world. Jesus comes in the Gospels and gives us a glimpse of what the new normal would be. If, if you want to have a, a quick summary um, as to what the new normal looks like, here, here's a, a quick snapshot. It's God's people in God's place under God's rule. Okay, that's what the new normal will look like. But let me flesh that out a bit. Okay, so for a couple of minutes, I want to just tell you, here's some detail as to what the new normal will look like and how Isaiah details uh, in, in chapters 11 and 12. What should we be looking for? What should we, what should we expect in the new normal? What does this kingdom look like? Well, here's the first thing. I don't have any PowerPoints, by the way, so you have to rely on your memory to remember these things or write them down. Okay, so here's the first thing that the new normal has. It has a new king, this new king. Uh, Isaiah, Isaiah in, verse five, excuse me, in the first five verses of chapter 11 that Elizabeth read so well for us, um, Isaiah lays out what this new king is going to be like. Uh, we get that, you know, uh, verse one, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Let me give you a little uh, background here as to what's going on in Isaiah. Um, the Assyrians are the world power at the time and they are conquering everywhere. They're wiping people out. Uh, and it's a complete disaster. And they're coming and knocking on the front door of the guys in Jerusalem, the southern kingdom of Judah. Um, their friends have let them down. The other nations have let them down. Their king has let them down. King Ahaz has been there. Uh, he was a disaster. Hezekiah comes after him. He was okay to start with. And then he ends up being a complete disaster too. Uh, and the kingdom is in ruins. Their friends in the north have let them down. The northern kingdom has been consumed at this point and uh, the kingdom is in ruins and every other kingdom around them is being consumed and it's a complete disaster but here's the thing there's a new king coming there's a new kingdom coming and the there's a language in chapter 10 if you look back a couple of verses in chapter 10 in verse 33 and 34 you see how god was had 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 told them how he was going to deal with the Assyrians. He gives this sort of imagery of a forest being cut down. 
um, how the, everything's going to be chopped. Now, I'm not a tree surgeon. I did manage to cut a tree down one time. It was the most terrifying experience of my life um, because I live beside a road and a tree nearly fell on the road, but the less about that, the better. And, but the imagery that we have here is of, of just being an absolute wasteland. It says in verse 33, Behold, the Lord God of hosts will lop the boys with terrifying power, the great in height and will be hewn down and the lofty will be brought low. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with an axe and Lebanon will fall by the majestic one. It, there's nothing left. The forest, the, the trees of Lebanon, which were fantastic in their day, they're gone. They're gone. The forest is chopped down. It's desolate, nothing growing. There is no form of life. Every kingdom is going to be like a desert, but specifically the Assyrians. And what do we have in verse one? He says, well, there's going to be a sign of life. And where is that sign of life? It's in this stump. God is going to bring forth out of the remnant uh, of the stump of Jesse. Now, obviously, we know the name Jesse, don't we? And it, it points us forward uh, to, to Jesus. We're automatically being pointed to the Messiah. And this king will be different. Why will he be different? It says because he's going to bear fruit at the end of verse one there. And a branch from his roots will bear fruit that's in contrast to every other king that's come along this one is going to succeed why why will this one succeed why is this one different well here's here you get in verse two why because the spirit of the lord will rest upon him now that might sound like a really familiar verse or really familiar phrase the spirit of the lord is rest upon him do you know why it's familiar because jesus said it if you jump forward to luke chapter four and in verse 18, 19, Jesus quotes this passage. He says, uh, in Luke 4, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's a little clue there, isn't it? That this is who Isaiah is talking about. The spirit of the Lord upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim news, good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and to recovering the sight of the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is pointing them all back to Isaiah and saying, look, this is me. This is who Isaiah wrote about, you know, this, you know, pointing at him probably at the same time as, as, as pointing to the, the scripture. He says, look, this is me. God has appointed me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And, and this and Jesus is all my saying, you know, I'm the fulfillment of this passage. But what else is going to be different about this new king? Well, he's going to have a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and might. And that might also sound familiar. And it should. Because a couple of chapters back and a couple of months ago, uh, we, we would have read in Isaiah chapter 9 that his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, isn't there? A spirit of counsel and might, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will be different. This new king in the new normal will be different and he will judge in a right way. He will not judge by what his eyes see or his ears hear. You know, the, you know I, I watch a lot of legal dramas. I just love you know, seeing how people are going to get out of these crazy uh, scenarios they get themselves in. And either find someone says, you, the people can make up lies you know, or present false evidence, or they can bring along someone who's going to say something that's going to completely eradicate the defense and everything like this. This is not the picture that we have here. We say that the King Jesus, this new king, is going to judge not by what he hears, not by what people tell him, but he's going to judge by what is right. The poor will be defended and the wicked will be struck down by the rod of his mouth. That's basically saying by the, the, the word of his truth. 
or the truth, the truth of his word. He's going to free those who are oppressed and he's going to rule with righteousness. Let, let me be very clear. Jesus is not going to be caught off guard. He's not going to be fooled. He's not going to be confused. He's not going to be bribed. He's not going to be biased. He's not going to be bored. He's not going to be careless. He's not going to be hurried. He's not going to have the wool pulled over his eyes. He's not going to be taken in by a sob story. He's not going to be scared into um, making a decision that isn't right. Why will he do that? Verse three, because his delight will be in the will be in the fear of the Lord. There's lots of people that are terrified of other people. Jesus will only be terrified if we living in the fear of the Lord. He rules for the glory of God. John Piper says that human appearances and opinions will not intimidate him or entice him. Jesus will rule with righteousness. This is the new king. It's the new king. What will he be? Verse 10, he will be a signal for the nations. He'll be a signal for the nations. How is Jesus a signal for the nations? Well, the answer to that, we'll have to go forward again to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus says this, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to himself. Why did Jesus say that? Why did Jesus give himself that, that, that uh, position that when he was lifted up from the earth, he will draw all people to himself? Well, he goes on in, in the next verse to tell us why. It, it, John says he, he said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Jesus points forward to the cross. That's the signal to the nations. That's how the world, that's how all the people and all the nations are going to know that God has come, that the king is here, that the new king is here from the new normal. That's how they're going to know that God is love. That's how the, that's where the Bible points us to that signal for all people. Look, this is the, this is the new king and he will die and has died in full public view in the place of all his people. Don't, don't you want a king like that? Don't you want a king like that? King of righteousness, a king of counsel, a king of might, a king of faithfulness, a king who dies in your place, taking the punishment for what you've done. We can have lots of aspirations for our current monarch and for future monarchs that are going to be in the UK. But I tell you what, I want a king like that. I want a king who's going to judge right. I want a king who's going to die in my place. And what we're reading here, there wasn't any other hope outside of this king. Every other kingdom had gone. Every other king was a complete mess. But there was only one hope and it was this king. He was the only one. He's the only one who can deal with our sin. He's the only one who can bring us to God. And the only one to hope in in times of difficulty is this new king. He is our only hope in life and death. Our only hope in life and death. And here's the best part. The new king is the king right now. The new king is the king right now. And he invites us to come to him with a signal to the nations he has died on the cross and he invites us to come to him. That's an, <laughs> I don't get many letters from Her Majesty. In fact, I can count on zero hands how many letters I've had from Her Majesty. I've had zero. But yet here is an invitation from the king. An invitation to come and to be forgiven. An invitation to come and to have your sin dealt with. 
He's gone and he's died on the cross in our place. And he bids people come to him. He also tells all men everywhere to repent and believe in him. That's, that's the new king. I don't know if you know Jesus today. But if you don't, let me encourage you to come to the new king. He's the one who reigns forever. He's, 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 uh, his, there will be no end to his reign. Isaiah 9, you read it at Christmas time. Of, the, of his kingdom, there will be no end. Let me invite you to come to that king. Put your trust in him. He's the only one who can deal with the disaster that we're in, with our sin. And maybe you do know Jesus today. And you know, I, I, know, I know a lot of you on these screens here uh, today. And you do know him. Let me have a let me point you to verse 10 because I, I think this is just this is just glorious. This is glorious. In that day, the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, inquire and his resting place will be glorious. Look, let, let, let's be honest, we are looking forward to that day. Why? Because it's going to be absolutely glorious. It's going to be glorious. Take comfort in that. That's where that's where we're going. That's where this whole thing is going. That's where the whole of history is going. This is our king, and this is what he has done for us. This is what it's going to look like. It's going to be amazing. So we've got a new, in the new normal, what have we got? We've got a new king. Here's the second thing. We've got, we've got a new nature. You see, in that next passage here from Isaiah 11, verse 6 to verse 9, uh, we get that, that picture there, the wolf dwelling with the lamb, the leopard lying down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. The cow and the bear will graze together and their young shall lie down and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. And you get the picture then of the, the children playing in front of the hole of the cobra uh, and all that kind of thing. And it's all a little bit strange, isn't it? I imagine whenever I sent this reading through the deal, he said, what on earth is he going to speak about today? You know, this will be interesting. And uh, we, we, we read that passage and we think, well, that'll never happen. Uh, and the, the wolf with the lamb, the leopard with the goat, and all, all seeming to live in a relative peace. And then we have things like the lion eating straw, uh, and that doesn't, that doesn't sound normal. It seems so alien to us, but this is, where, this is where history is headed, and this is where the future is headed. This is what God will achieve. If, if I was just to give you that passage and ask you, what does it remind you of? You might say, well, it sounds an awful lot like the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? And it's exactly it, you know, going pointing back to the Garden of Eden, that time at that place of paradise uh, where Adam and Eve had dominion over the animals. They were in charge. And you see it in, in here again, where humanity is in charge of the animals, where the little child will lead them. And even, even you've got this, the, the snakes. I, I don't know if Adam, when he named all the animals in the Garden of Eden, assign them a particular danger category. You know, we, we kind of think of all oh, squirrels, they're harmless, tigers stay away from, you know, we kind of think of that, but arguably the most dangerous animal that was in the Garden of Eden was a snake. And because of the, the ultimate destruction that he brought through in the, in the curse. And the snakes are in here. We, we consider snakes dangerous anyway, but they hear they're gonna pose absolutely no threat to children. If you sat your child down in front of an, a, a, a den of snakes, uh, you, you think you're out of your head. You think there'll be something not right. And yet here, we find that there will be no threat. Even the smallest child will lead them. It's a, it's a reverse of the fall, isn't it? 
It's a reverse of the curse. Now, we even have animals eating straw. Now, the question that automatically comes to mind is, Andrew, are you saying that in heaven we're all going to be vegetarian? Now, I'm not going to open that can of worms this morning. You can think about it yourself and read your Bible. Um, but back in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis 1, it says, God said this, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food. Um, somebody, somebody's asked the question, well, will there be animals in heaven? And part, you know, I don't know how you answer that question, but if there is, um, I'm in trouble because I'll have eaten most of them. Um, it's going to be, uh, it's, a, it's a real, real danger. Um, but here we have the picture of how it is meant to be. It's how it's meant to be. This is what the world looked like before the curse of sin. And this is what it looks like with the curse of sin taken away. This is what it looked like back in the Garden of Eden. And this is what the new normal is going to be like when, as verse 9 puts it in Isaiah 11, that the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's what it's going to, when the whole earth is full of the knowledge of the Lord, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. Every single inch of this planet, every aspect of it will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's, that's what it will look like. This glimpse of Jesus that we talked about earlier, you know, and coming and healing the sick and everything else, that interruption of, of healing and the removal of grief, that's the new normal because there's a new nature. There's a new nature. Now, isn't that something, isn't that something that you want to look forward to? You know, whenever you read that passage, you thought, well, you know, do I really care if the lion is lying down with the lamb? Do I really care about the leopard and the goat? No, but you do care about peace and unity and going back to a place of paradise that we had in Garden of Eden. We want, you want a place that doesn't have any hurt. You want a place that doesn't have any destruction. You want a place where there's no danger. You want a place where there's no hurt. And isn't that somewhere that we can point to and says that that gives us hope? It's the reversal of the, of the, the curse of sin. And it's absolutely glorious. This is what God has promised us. It's an end of fear. I know that there's some people who have been absolutely riveted with fear. I remember we were walking around when the first lockdown came. And somebody was, they just didn't know what to do. They were terrified. You know, they were told to stay at home and they just, they were just terrified of what was going to happen, what was going to happen. Um, I don't know whether you struggle with fear. I don't know whether you're terrified of the future or the next couple of weeks or the next months or whatever. Maybe you're terrified of what's going on right now. Um, maybe you're just really hoping that all this will end. And let me just invite you to look at this passage and to take comfort because that's where it ends. This is how it ends. This is where we take hope. This is a vision here that we have in Isaiah to get us to look to Jesus, the King, and how he is going to make all things new. It's a glorious future that God has promised. This is where he's going. This is a king of the of this is a glimpse of God's kingdom in all its fullness. There's going to be no more danger, no more peace, or no more danger because there will be peace. There's going to be unity. This is what God is doing. This is what he's going to do is, this is not some sort of utopian paradise. If we get climate control under, under control and listen to everything Greta Thunberg says, this is, this is not going to get us, you, you know, this is not going to happen just like that. You know, we can't do this. I don't care how good you are at training snakes. You can't do this. I don't care if someone in the zoo somewhere has got a lion to eat straw and be happy. You'll not be able to do this. This is only what God 
can do. This is what God has in store for us, and we look forward to it. We long for it. Um, this is a reminder that this world wrecked in sin is not our home. Some of you might know that uh, that old gospel hymn, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. <laughs> you know, we're, all, we're all just passing through. What we have here is the new heavens and the new earth, a glorious, restored, renewed place that God is preparing for us. It's a, it's a new nature. So we've got a new king. We've got a, a new nature. And then lastly, we have new people with new hearts. New people with new hearts. So that should be really easy. The new normal has new king, new nature, new people with new hearts. It says in verse 12 and 13 of Isaiah 11 that God is going to gather his people together from all the nations. He will raise a signal for the nations. He will assemble the banished of Israel, gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Uh, and then he's going to gather them together and it's going to look completely different. Verse 13, the jealousy of Ephraim, that's talking about the northern kingdom, shall depart. And those who are asked Judah, it's the southern kingdom, will be cut off. Ephraim shall not be jealous of Judah, and Judah shall not harass Ephraim. They will dwell together in unity. Now, we don't think like that, do we? You know, you get a bundle of people who don't really know each other and get them to live together. That's the, the, remember the, the show Big Brother that everyone stopped watching now because it's so boring? Um, you know, it got a bundle of people in a house to see what would happen. And what, what did happen? Well, there was fights. There, there was rumors. There was people not getting along. It wasn't all, you know, unicorns and rainbows uh, when they already put people in a house like that. We, we tend to think you get people together and they just rub each other up the wrong way, especially over the long term. We get annoyed. People's habits annoy us. We get frustrated. The people of Israel knew that too. They, they, the whole nation had split in two. They, they hadn't been able to, to live in unity. And yet Psalm 133, they knew it. It says, where, where brothers dwell together in unity, there the Lord commands a blessing. You know, we know that there should be unity, but it's ever so hard to guess. And even under King David, they enjoyed a fragile unity. It never really held, not before and not after. So what is God going to do? Well, verse 13 says that jealousy and enmity or hostility will be over. So that's both the emotions and the actions that destroy unity will be gone. Jealousy and hostility will be gone. God will renew his people. He's going to gather them together. And here's the best part. Nothing's going to stand in the way of the unity. You know, you say, well, I'll, I'm sure that they've grown up by now. You know, you knew someone years ago and they really, got, they really annoyed you. Um, if Northern Ireland phrase, for those of you that speak Northern Ireland, you know, they really got on your wick. Um, and uh, you think, oh, maybe you, you hear about them 15 years later and you think, oh, maybe they've grown up. You know, we, 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 live, we live in hope. Um, but God says that it, it, it won't matter because he's going to remove every barrier to that unity. Every, every barrier to that unity happening. Verse 15, he says that the Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt and will wave his hand over the river with his scorching breath and strike it in the seven channels. And he will lead people across the sand with sandals. And there will be a highway from Assyria for the remnant that remains of his people as there was for Israel when they came up out of Egypt. Here God is going to make sure that there are no barriers to the gathering of his people. The tongue of the Sea of Egypt, what's that? What's the Nile, the river Nile? Um, that's not going to be a barrier. 
the picture here is the people of Israel crossing it over like they did um, way back in Exodus, you know, in, in sandals, going to God's promised rest. And what are they going to do when they live in that unity where God is going to remove every single barrier to that happening? What are they going to do? Well, they're going to sing a new song. They're going to have new hearts, ones that are turned to God continually, because it's going to be absolutely 100% clear that he has saved. Have a look at verse 1 in chapter 12. It says, you will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you are angry with me, your anger turned away that you might come for me. We're going to recognize God's hand in everything. In the providence of God, even when we think that God's anger was against us, that he was the only one who was able to comfort us too. We're going to recognize that the only one that can save us from God's anger and wrath is God himself. We see that in Jesus. We see that in, the, the, in God coming and rescuing us. And what will that lead to? Well, that leads to a glorious future where we sing and shout for joy. Have a look at verses five and six. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. If you haven't noticed there, there's a continual refrain throughout these two chapters of something that is glorious. Um, let this be known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. That's the hope that we cling to. This is where God is going. This is where all of history is pointing. And of course, the, the tricky thing for us, and was for the people who heard it at the time, like we don't know when. Was it, is this in two weeks? Is it two years? 200 years? 2,000 years? Um, it's a really tricky one. We don't, we don't know when uh, this is happening, but we do know where it, we do know where God is going. We do know that it will happen. The people in Isaiah's day were like 700 years before the new king actually arrived. And here we are, 2,000 years after the new king has arrived. We should be people who are even more excited because we know that, the, we know that Jesus has come. We know that this is where God's going. This is the, the story of redemption, and this, is, and this is where it's going. And we get a we get a glimpse of it, don't we? Of of people gathered together with the church, don't we? God's people united around Him, praising Him for His salvation, singing praises to the Lord, for He has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. This is what the new normal looks like. This is like I really hope that you're longing for this day. Um, I think over lockdown, I've been longing for it more. You know, there's been days when you've been thinking, Lord Jesus, would you just come back today? That'd be really good. You know, <laughs> it'd be fantastic. But I hope that what we have read here gives us strength and confidence for the days that lie ahead. I hope it reminds you of God's desire for his people. I hope it reminds you of God's destination for his people and that both of those are glorious. Both of those are glorious. I hope that it turns our hearts towards him. It reassures us as we trust in him. If you don't trust in him, I hope it turns you to look to Jesus. That's signed for the nations, because this is where all of history is going, that his rest will be glorious. That's the day that we look forward to. And I hope that that's been an element of encouragement for you this morning, just to get you to, to lift your eyes off air. All the regulations all the, the rules and everything else and all the, the panic. Just, just, just don't watch the news for 24 hours, okay? And just focus on where Jesus is going, you know, where, where God is taking us. It's the new normal. We'll have new hearts. We'll sing a new song with our new king. That's what is glorious. Amen.